Alright, hello, welcome to Uga Buka, the podcast where I try to read as many books as I can for a year. My name is Will, join me in my journey from caveman to someone with just a little bit more insight. Let's get it. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Uga Buka. And we have a pretty short book today and a short review, but nonetheless, a very good book. And a book that tries to answer the question, why treat people only to send them into the same conditions that made them sick in the first place? This book is going to be about the need for professionals who realize that health begins in our lives where we eat, live, and play. Today's author is Rishiman Chanda. For over a decade as a doctor, I've cared for homeless veterans, for working class families. I've cared for people who live and work in conditions that can be hard, if not harsh. That was Rishi Manchanda introducing himself at his TED Talk called What Makes Us Sick. It's also the source of the book we're talking about today, his TED book, The Upstream Doctors, in which he looks at how health begins at home and in the workplace and stems from the social and environmental factors of our everyday lives. Now, getting into it, I was super excited to read this book. Uh, I was super excited that it was a short book and on a topic that I really, really was excited about in spectacular herb fashion. I'm a healthcare student and public health is one of my really deep interests, which is why I wanted to read this book. It's something that I really want to know more about and a field that I believe is worth exploring for any healthcare student like me. I had a public health class that I wish I had more in university and I took this book as an opportunity to learn just a little bit more and expand my caveman brain. So this book is about Manchanda's journey, discovering social health in different contexts within India, in the Americas, wherever he worked and the people he worked with and how he came up with this idea of upstream culture and how to promote it. So getting into today's review, today's review is going to be pretty short. It's again, a short book, but definitely not a bad book by any means. It's a great book. And let's get into who this book is for. So this book is mainly, I would say, targeted for healthcare professionals, students, and professionals that really want to understand the perspective of big picture healthcare, you know, why should we care? And those who want to understand the connections between social conditions and health. The book early on focuses on the US healthcare system, but makes good points that you will likely be able to relate to in some ways. Now, some questions I did have coming into the book is, of course, writing the title. What is an upstreamist? What is an upstream doctor, right? And what can we do to alleviate some of the problems in public health, knowing that this book was about public health and how we can relate Manchanda and his experiences and translate them to our own local situations. Coming back to the book, however, in some aspects, again, it is a bit US-centric, so it makes it a bit hard to relate to if you're not from the United States, but of course, still has some good points about it. The book, again, is very short, only about 50 to 100 pages long if you printed it out. And it's just a new perspective coming into health. It's obviously not going to be a full textbook or a college course, but still a great read nonetheless. It reads very easily 
and provides explanation to some of the problems in public health and a few solutions that Manchanda suggests. However, some of these I will somewhat disagree with and we'll get, we'll get into that later. But otherwise, it's great and I would highly recommend it to anyone in a health field or a health adjacent field. Okay, now we're moving into the summary part of the podcast. I am super excited for this summary. And for these nonfiction books, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a summary as I think it's a better way to review these books and kind of take you along for the ride of what I've learned. As always, spoilers ahead. So if you want to read the book, pause the podcast and come back when you're ready. Now, in the summary, we can answer our first question right away right in this first section of the book, what is upstreamism? So Manchanda makes an argument that I'm sure many have made, but gives it uh, a name of its own, upstreamism. It's the idea that we need to look at health problems upstream. This isn't a new idea, but Manchanda emphasizes that we're spending all of our time trying to metaphorically save people from drowning in the river when we should be looking upstream and stop them from falling in in the first place. Upstreamism is about trying to improve social conditions that shape health, which have largely become an afterthought. We often think of medical care as the biggest impact in our health, but in reality, it makes up a very small percentage of it. Now, obviously, taking this into account, the book isn't an argument into making downstream health less important. The work that healthcare workers like surgeons and nurses do today is often life-changing and in many cases life-saving. Rather, it makes the argument that we don't have enough people working in our health systems to make sure that people don't need that saving in the first place. So now that we know what upstreamism is, how do we explain how we got here? How have we arrived at the current standard of health? Today, access to quality care is often stressful. Manchanda shares the story of Veronica, a patient who had been seeing many specialists and doctors about her severe migraines, undergoing treatments, prescriptions, and procedures to no avail, until she was asked about where she lived. It turns out her building had developed mold, which were aggravating her bad allergies and causing her migraines, which after being dealt with, finally gave her a solution to the problem. While Veronica's problem initially wasn't solved by the many specialists she saw, we would probably argue that this is within the current standard of care, and these physicians weren't in any way negligent. So why did Veronica have this experience in the first place? Some may put forth arguments or justifications that a few experiences like Veronica's is the unfortunate price that we pay for adequate care for the rest of us. Some may even justify it by stating that it's Veronica's fault for making such poor health decisions. However, the problem with both of these arguments is that Veronica isn't one person. Her experience is shared by thousands, millions, even billions of people. Often we don't think about how the extent of how decisions we make daily about where we work, what we do, where we live, are shaped so strongly by factors and entities outside of our individual spheres of control. Decisions made by private companies, governments, cities can make their way into our health and affect our lives in ways we don't expect. Today, we've paid all our attention into downstream rescue health, but not enough into upstream preventative work. Why is that? Well, in most cases, it's money.
if you don't live in a country where you have universal healthcare or highly subsidized healthcare, most of what we think of as healthcare are fee-based or pay-for-service businesses. This fee-based or pay-for-service business scheme puts in essence quantity over quality. More treatment going on means more money. This is, of course, a strong generalization, but you get the point. Centering our healthcare on profit also encourages things like specialization. A common experience for a patient is to have a doctor they go to for their back, for their eyes, and for their skin. And all these specialists often are paid more because they can bill more. And the current health standard encourages these specializations. Lanchenda argues that all of these specialists make it easy to feel like we're trying to solve problems by ordering so many tests, because that is a much easier solution and much more economical than trying to examine a patient's social conditions, which is harder and time-consuming. Lanchanda also puts forth the problem that we currently have, which is that we have too many specialists and yet not enough in the places that need them the most. Again, I would take Manchanda's stance on this as not an argument again against specialists, but there isn't often a doctor that you can go to if your elbow feels off one day and you need to ask somebody just about your general health. This is the idea of primary care, which isn't explicitly mentioned in the book, but is an essential thrust of public health. It seems to me that in some ways, the barriers we face for public health are kind of like how we look at climate change. It seems to be an inability of governments, regulators, and businesses to extend empathy forward. It's hard to make the investment for people in the future, people who aren't necessarily us. Now again, like climate change, there are many barriers to upstream culture, and Manchanda lists three big categories which they usually fall under. First being regulation. Regulation in the sense that systems that integrate with health are often disconnected. Despite health being highly interconnected, systems that integrate with health are often disconnected. And even within health, systems of prevention and rescue can be disconnected. The mere definition also of roles in the system frames healthcare workers as downstreamists, solving the problem as it arrives. The next category of barriers to upstream culture is culture. The culture in health and also out of health just doesn't show us right now that upstreamism is important. Rather, it does show us that it is important. It may be not as important as other things. Most healthcare professionals aren't oblivious in seeing that social conditions are a big factor in our health, but oftentimes these healthcare professionals are under-equipped. Going off of this, sometimes we don't realize as healthcare providers how early we can intervene. The healthcare system often spends too much time simply waiting for people to get sick. Another barrier in culture for upstreamism is a lack of diversity among providers. Providers who aren't from the same culture often can't relate to patients as much as they want to help. How could you get them mixed up? They come in a little wheel. They don't look anything like decongestants. Oh, God. The cashier put them both in the same bag. I thought I'd give you the right ones. No, you gave her the wrong pills. You speak Mandarin? That was an episode of House, showcasing him being able to surpass a language barrier with patients. Unfortunately, most of us aren't House or know how to speak Mandarin. This in and of itself presents a huge barrier, not because only do patients have difficulty explaining their situations, but when they do, some behaviors may not even make sense to you as a healthcare provider, especially if a cultural barrier is there. 
And finally, the most obvious intangible, the financial barriers to public health. Again, public health is often an investment that no one is willing to pay for because no one gets paid when everyone is healthy. Many public health programs are often unsustainable, relying on grants, because there currently isn't a big financial incentive to stop people from getting sick. The preference for downstream treatment also leaks into research, because there's no money, there's no research into social determinants of health. And because there's no research, we don't know what the problems we have are, and we have no idea what solutions will work. And because we don't know what the problems are or what the solutions will be, there's even less incentive to risk these resources, especially when the health system is already stretched thin. Manchanda also shares some very inspiring stories of healthcare providers he's met through the years, starting their own community-based public health programs within their practices. While these stories were very inspirational, I think that Manchanda was unable to highlight something that was common in all of these stories that he presented. These upstreamists seem to be working in isolation in every story. While they did have very big teams of physicians, nurses, legal experts, and social workers working with them, their impact was mostly confined to the communities that they serve. The barrier, it seems, is in scalability. Hong Kong health authorities have activated their most serious response level after an outbreak of a new type of viral pneumonia in China. A man has died from a new pneumonia virus in the central Chinese city of Wuhan. 41 other people have been diagnosed with the virus that investigators say resembles SARS. There is now a report from the Center for Disease Control that they have the first U.S. case. COVID has made it very clear that prevention is better than cure. But COVID is just one disease that we have to deal with, and certainly not the last we'll have to deal with. And in public health, we have to deal with not just COVID, but heart-related diseases, cancers, among many others. Our world badly needs more upstreamists, especially those who see the need to innovate in systems design and incorporate new technologies into an equity agenda. But if you're not a clinician, why should you care? Chances are, if you're reading this book with me, you're probably living a pretty comfortable life. There are billions of people out there who will never read this book, or hear this podcast and never understand why they keep getting sick and not realizing that aspects of their environment, not necessarily under their control, have made it hard for them to stay healthy. The death toll in the U.S. tops 200,000, the highest in the world. Worldwide coronavirus deaths have passed the 1 million mark, with 20% of those in the United States. And now we move to the part where Rishi Manchanda offers some suggestions on how we can help solve this, even if you're not a clinician. And this is the part where I have some beef with him. <laughs> he offers six suggestions on how to help promote upstream culture in our health systems. And half of them I will agree with, and half of them I doubt are very, <laughs> I doubt will be very effective in many situations. But here we go. The first being, ask your doctor about it. Manchanda literally writes to ask your doctor if he's an upstreamist. And I would, I would very much disagree with this. Maybe not ask if you're an upstreamist, but get your caregivers to think about the effects of your environment on your health. Actively ask them, could it be this? Could it be that? Be an active participant in managing your own health. The second point he raises is to share your data with your doctor. So he means to track the air quality in your area, the number of steps you take per day, the how you get to work, etc. He also mentions that eventually clinicians who care enough could aggregate data from willing patients. Again, this makes the bold assumption that your doctor will even care, given that the current system they operate in doesn't give emphasis to these social determinants of health. And third, 
he mentions to rate your healthcare provider. This might be an American thing, but I don't think this applies to everywhere in the world. He says to make an assessment and to share with your neighbors and your health department. Again, the first three tips are very good questions and tips for a professional that maybe works in health or works in a health adjacent field, but maybe not for your everyday patient. It's kind of ironic that the first three solutions that Manchanda proposes are also somewhat downstream. Now moving on to the next three, which I do wholeheartedly agree with. The fourth solution he presents is to vote with your feet. Essentially, if you have a satisfying upstream-focused experience from a doctor or a clinician, tell people about it. Tell your friends to check it out. The more people that are enjoying this kind of care, the more it will be encouraged in future care. Next is to vote with your dollars. Also agreed. You can also influence how your own workplace thinks about health. Again, this isn't limited to maybe influencing what kind of insurance provider your company goes with because change for health can come in the form of advocating for regular exercise in your workplace and improving work-life balance. Health can just be about being healthier and happier at work, where many of us spend a very large chunk of our time. And finally, is to vote with your vote. Absolutely, of course. Look, this system is so dysfunctional that it really is pathetic. How do you end up spending twice as much per person on healthcare and have 87 million people, uninsured or underinsured, 30,000 people dying each year because they don't get to a doctor when they should, half a million people going bankrupt because of medically related debt. That was this Bernie Sanders in his recent presidential run. Government, of course, at all levels, play very big roles in our health. Again, think of health not just as hospitals and clinics and the treatments that you receive. Health also shows up in parks, in public transport, in sidewalks, in housing regulations, and the fast food joint they're building around the corner. It's important to remember that health shows up anywhere we do, so make sure that the people you vote for understand that. Finally, after reading Manchanda's book, I think that he meant not to imply that to be an upstreamist, you have to go out there, change laws, change regulations, to make things better for people in these ways. But we need our current health culture to change. It's just as important for our healthcare providers to research the latest surgical techniques as it is important to make sure that people don't need surgery in the first place. By advocating for better regulations, laws, addressing inequalities and injustices in the many aspects that touch our lives. And that all starts with understanding that health is more than treating ourselves in receptors and dysfunctions. And that our health as an individual relies on everyone else around us too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I really enjoyed this book and I thought it was a great peek into the work of public health physicians in the United States. And Rishi Manchanda presented some really good stories, really great stories of healthcare providers working to make sure that they really are promoting social health in their own communities. I'd highly recommend that you check out the book if you have some time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to follow along on our next book, our next book is going to be Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro.